Hello, it's Ryan from Communication Platform, and today we have our uh, fourth uh, piece of a very important uh, series, uh, mini-series on human trafficking, best uh, practices implemented for developing countries and even fully developed uh, industrialized countries, um, because the theme of corruption unfortunately runs uh, through the same for a lot of the key players that can stop these problems. Um, it really is a, uh, a, you know, there there might be a bottom up epidemic of, you know, um, really bad people in the world that create the demand for child trafficking and um, and sex slavery and, and human trafficking and all that. Uh, but there's a top down epidemic, uh, a much smaller level of key players that are either active participants in this or looking the other way. And so it gets really tricky because you might say, well, you're in a country, it could be a poor developing country, it could be a, a you know, first world nation, it could be um, an area where that's a total democracy, where you can be a whistleblower, it can be an area where you might get you killed to be a whistleblower. And so this is a little tricky. And so there's this idea of if there is so the, so the first step is to decide if there is or is not evidence of participation in corruption um among you know either politicians police uh, in some instances places we've worked uh local military that are aware of it uh and in some cases even facilitating it again this is not the entire group facilitating it you know, of all the security of all the police or military or all the politicians or government. No, no, this is usually just a couple individuals that, you know, it only takes a couple to have a leak to uh, allow things to persist and go under the radar. Only takes out of all the, you know, um, thousands of people showing up to work at professional jobs. It only takes a couple to allow these things to to stay facilitating. So that's important to know. So you might say from your purview, from your point of view, what do you do if you really do believe there's public evidence or if it's an open secret that so-and-so is aware of what's going on or in some cases even facilitating what's going on? And the answer is your best bet is to uh, work with a third party, um, either an international charity or um, you know, there's international human rights organizations and provide the evidence to them. Because you, in most cases, in most countries, you don't want it to be your name, your face plastered everywhere saying that, you know, if you, you know, have some kind of evidence, that's the first challenge is, is finding who can be your third party to provide evidence of such corruption. The second thing is to make sure that you are accurate and that there's such corruption because you don't want to be shaming and smearing, you know, a certain you know, p police group or a certain, you know, uh, politician group or whatever, if they really have nothing to do with it, or if they're aware of the problem, but there's nothing, you know, there's nothing further they can do to stop it on their end. So you need to be very, very careful where you throw daggers, you need to know, you know, you need to know what you need to know. And so, um, you know, the next step in our uh, to do list is to see if there are, you know, if, if, if you really believe there is evidence, and you can provide evidence, you know, to go ahead and contact that, you know, kind of a watchdog international nonprofit NGO, or sometimes it's groups of professors, even individually in other countries, uh, other universities, 
that are working closely on a problem, monitoring it themselves. There's there's all sorts of stuff going on for um, the you know a crisis as ugly as um, human trafficking. So uh, and typically, you even want to do this anonymously. So an anonymous reach out um, where you want to be careful of disclosing your details to the actual um, outside group because you want to make sure if your government, you know, monitors, you know, um, email and, and uh, internet traffic data that you don't get in trouble that way. So even as far as creating either a fake email account um, or, um, uh, you know, or, or, you know, some kind of anonymous message, you want to be careful doing that too. Um, so you don't uh, get into any trouble with your real identity. And so that is a, that is a big step to take. You can also take part in a lot of, a lot of human rights groups are already doing the naming and shaming thing. Um, on an individual level, we have, of course, we tell people follow the laws of whatever your local laws are in your country. We don't want people breaking the rules, but we have had people create fake, uh, fake Facebook accounts or social media accounts where they can go ahead. And if you have the evidence that you can go ahead and say, so-and-so is aware, here's some hard evidence of this, um, of them, you know, knowing what's going on and, um, you know, getting that evidence, you know, in a, you know, a conversation or some leaked document um, that can be a challenge in itself. But if there is actual hard evidence of whatever person in charge being aware and, and, you know, either not caring, not acting on it, or in some cases actively participating in uh, human trafficking in your area. If there is that hard evidence, usually a video clip, more likely an audio clip, um, then that would be something to go ahead and post on, you know, a fake social media account to go ahead and let people know, or to just hand it over to like international media. Uh, that would be another option. So they can go ahead and um, follow up accordingly, because naming and shaming is a really, really powerful thing. Um, and uh, naming and shaming actually comes in uh, a couple forms. First is just, um, first is just speaking out towards your allies. Uh, so in most places, it's your regional allies, countries uh, bordering, neighboring you that you are rather friendly with, because chances are they publicly stand against human trafficking. True, but pretty much all countries will take a public stance against human trafficking. What they're really doing on the inside about it is a different story. Um, but on the outside, you know, pretty much all countries have come forward saying human trafficking is wrong, bad, not okay, uh, and against the law, against our law and international law. And so, uh, if that's the case, if you you know if you have um, ally areas, um, this won't work for countries you're in conflict with. Um, because nobody cares when you do shaming, public shaming only works towards those that are um, within your side, right? We are, we are affected by shaming on a kind of a public political um, uh, level, you know, when we are facing it from those who are friends, not enemies, you're being shamed by an enemy, you know, um, a country that you've been or another, or another tribe or another culture you've been in conflict with for a hundred years, that's not going to matter. Don't waste your time doing that. It needs to be towards, um, you know, similar groups of people that are your, you know, friends, allies, you want the shaming to happen through there and to focus on, um, you know, do your shaming and reaching out to those places. Um, 
that's the first thing. But the second thing is to make sure that you can, you know, actually create, um, you know, in some cases you can even do boycotts. They've done boycotts in a number of um, areas. Now, I, one thing that comes to mind are international rugs, right. And carpets uh, that were notorious for um, child labor, right. So little kids and factories, you know, making, uh, you know, basically human slavery, um, from human trafficking uh, for these kids just doing slave labor, uh, working on these factory in these factories for these carpets. And people now have like there's different programs and special seals of the carpets and rugs that you have like some kind of it's it's almost like the equivalent of a watermark. And that tells you, okay, this carpet, wherever, you know, whatever part of the either, you know, Asia or the Middle East, or this carpet did not come from a uh, you know. Uh, human uh, slave labor situation. This came from, you know, an actual business with, you know, people getting, you know, employees getting paid fairly and well and not, you know, little kids. And so that's a, that was one little example of a really great thing where boycotting made a difference. If people, you know, out of those countries producing those, those rugs and carpets to the world didn't have that special kind of um, watermark type thing on the rug, you know, whatever that mark was, then, you know, people would, and, and it was, those were areas notorious for um, uh, child labor, then they would say, screw it, we're not going to buy, you know, um, from that city or that region or that whole country, in some cases, that was really effective money talks. So the first is shaming talks, if it's towards a uh, ally, towards a friend and coming towards um, from friends and groups uh, that you respect. And the second uh, lesson is money talks and boycotts work. But again, you have to make sure there's hard evidence. There's been a lot of um, hearsay where, you know, people, you know, maybe automatically assumed, you know, they're, you know, so-and-so out of their region was, you know, aware of, you know, some kind of human trafficking or uh, just didn't care about it. But those are, you got to be, you got to make sure you can back that up, right? You can't just say it and roll your eyes and not have some kind of evidence. So the, really the, the trick of it is getting the evidence and that, that is the whole thing. But if there's any kind of outside evidence, some, some hard tangible evidence that you can say, okay, so-and-so is aware of this and still doesn't care that needs to be shared with the world, right? Because human trafficking is obviously unacceptable. So there's a couple strategies for that. And in in the worst cases, um, you know, we've had places even um, just participate in civil disobedience in their country, civil disobedience. Again, we're not, you know, we don't advocate to uh, break the rules or laws of your country, but just telling you what people have done that's successful for problems where it's really epidemic and it's really just, it's a, it's a crisis, you know, on a large scale, civil disobedience in those towns, in those villages, in those uh, cities and neighborhoods, civil disobedience does make a difference for large, ugly systemic problems. So, and there's all sorts of um, literature we, you know, um, reference in our um, build a town guide. So that is it to conclude our uh, human trafficking um, and child sex trafficking and uh, women sex trafficking and human labor trafficking, all these horrible things. This should not be going on. It's been going on since like the dawn of time. But I mean, you know, if 
there are people out there talking about how, you know, we could live on other planets, you know, and transport like people from earth to another planet, but we can't solve some little like eight-year-old girl getting sold into sex slavery. That's ridiculous. So like, we gotta, we gotta make sure that community leaders and working professionals from bottom up and top down go out of your way to make trafficking history forever. And that will conclude this piece. As always, if you have any questions, you can reach out to us, um, you know, in person uh, or anonymously at our uh, site, www.communicationplatform.org. And we will see you next time.